Bible's reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 4, reading from verse 32 to 40, and you'll page, find that on page 153 of the Pew Bibles. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, sorry, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You are shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them. He brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into the land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. And the second reading today is John 14, 1 to 14, page 927 in the Pew Bibles. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father." And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You might ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. And uh, I'd love to just pray as we look at this topic together, so let's speak to God. 
Father, we thank you for bringing us here together this morning and ask that as we think about this, we pray that you would give us insight and clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Rowena said, um, we've been working the last couple of weeks as a church through a little sermon series asking some big questions. Is there meaning to life? Last week we looked at Uh, How can we know there is a God? And today we're thinking about, do all paths lead to God? And uh, it's great to have some kids in here this morning as well. And and we've heard from the kids talk already that uh, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're a kid in here today and you don't hear anything else, then that's a great thing to hear. There was a movie that came out. 10 years ago called The Life of Pi, which is about a young guy who's raised as a Hindu who is introduced to Christianity and Islam and decides to follow all three religions at the same time. And his reasoning is, I just want to love God. Throughout the movie, um, some things happen to him. He gets involved in a shipwreck. Uh, He ends up on a lifeboat. And he's on this lifeboat with a number of different animals. There's a hyena, there's a zebra, there's an orangutan, and a tiger named Richard Parker. And uh, throughout the movie, he he goes on adventures uh, in this lifeboat, and he manages to survive, and him and Richard have to go their separate ways. And as he comes back to civilization. He's speaking to the investigators who want to know what happened on this shipwreck, uh, what, what, was, what was the story. And so he tells them what happened, and he tells them about being in this lifeboat with these animals. And he can see that they don't really believe what he's saying. It sounds a bit too far-fetched. So he makes up a different story where he supplements the animal characters for human characters to make it more believable. And then he says to the investigators, look, you will never be able to prove which story happened. So just take your pick. Choose which one feels best to you. And that's the way that uh, I I want you to make your decision. And the moral of the story at the end of the film is, and so it goes with God. The film is saying, what really matters in the end is what you think, uh, is what you feel about God. And we can't go any further than that. Now, is that true? Is that right? Can we agree with that? Thinking about today, do all paths lead to God? And this is kind of a popular way that our society deals with the different religious beliefs around us in our society. We live in a multicultural city in Sydney. And there are people next door to you and in your office who believe very different things to you. And so maybe this is a way that we can all just get on with each other and say all paths lead to the same place, all paths lead to God. I'm reminded about a story of some blind people and an elephant. And the story goes that the blind people reach out and touch Uh, different parts of the elephant. So the first person touches the trunk and they say, well, it's kind of bendy and it's long and it moves. Um, The next blind person touches an ear and says it's flat and it's flapping and and, uh, that's how it feels. And, And the next person touches the leg and says it's really solid and 
It's not moving and it's not going to go anywhere. And the story goes that this is what we should believe about religions, that each religion is touching a different part of the truth. And everyone's onto the same thing, they're just describing it in different ways. The problem with the parable, though, is that it assumes that someone has the view of the whole elephant. Who sees the whole elephant? (laughs) That's what's not explained. The reality is that the world's religions disagree with each other. Christianity and Judaism and Islam believe in God. Buddhism doesn't believe in God. Hinduism believes in many gods. When it comes to Jesus' resurrection, uh, Jewish belief would say that Jesus died and stayed dead, that the resurrection didn't happen. Islamic belief would say that Jesus never really died, that it was an illusion. All religions say different things and everyone can't be right because they disagree with each other. So the question we're asking today, do all paths lead to God? The simple answer to that is no. No, they don't all lead to God. But I'm not just going to say that and sit down. Let's think a bit further about this. What are some of the key reasons for this? And let's unpack them together. Well, I've got um, three reasons that we can say that not all paths lead to God. And the first one is that we can't reach God. We can't reach up to God. The picture of humanity given to us in the Bible is that all people are separated from God, every single one of us. There's a verse in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, all people, in all places, at all times. The Bible says that humans are part of his, uh, God's good creation, that we're created with dignity and purpose and that we're created to be image bearers of God. But it also tells us that all of us have turned away from that calling that God gave to us. None of us have fulfilled the path he wanted for us. And it affects our minds and our hearts and our souls and our bodies and our lives. And we do things like we cheat and we steal and we get drunk and we lust and we slander and abuse and mistreat people and all of these outward fruits reveal a rotten core in our hearts. So don't miss this point today. Christianity says that, that it, it, it's a truly democratic religion. Do you understand that? It, it says that every human being on every continent in every time in history, in every household, in every moment, is fallen short of God. Everyone is on the same level. There's no class of worse people, the ultra sinners, and there's no class of saints who are closer to God. We are all on this even platform before him, falling short of his glory. It's like when I take my kids um, to the basketball court and they're only little so they can't throw the basketball into the ring. And so it doesn't matter how many times they try, they just can't get it anywhere near the ring. That is us before God. And you know, uh, this might actually sound depressing if this is the first time you've heard it, 
But I want to tell you, it's actually the source and beginning of great joy. It's the, it's the, the, the way that Christians can have joy because we're, we're, we're not trying to get to God through our good works. We've given up on that project. And it's actually at this point that Christianity and the other major religions of the world disagree with each other. Because pretty much every other religion says, uh, here's the pathway and here's the practices and the disciplines and here's the, the good works you've got to do. And if you can do all of that, then you might get yourself a bit closer to God if you're lucky. But Christianity is realistic. It says... You can't do that. You can't get yourself to God. It doesn't matter how hard you try. When I was in my early 20s, I had an issue with acne on my face. And I just couldn't get rid of it. I went to the doctor and they gave me some medicine and I read the internet and tried all these different remedies and none of it was working. I was putting cream on, I was drinking more water, I was trying to be healthy, using different soaps and... I went to the dermatologist and they said, the problem's deeper than all of that. You can't fix it with those other remedies. It's not going to work. And it was actually a relief because I could give up on these other failed remedies and just realise that they weren't going to work and stop trying them. Attempting to reach God through good works is just going to lead you to exhaustion and despair because we can't do it. Our hearts are too stubborn for that. They're too deceitful. We can't bring ourselves to obey God and love him. We can't rightly relate to God through our own efforts. So That's point number one. That's why all paths can't lead to God because we can't reach up to God. The second reason uh, all paths can't lead to God, is that God actually reaches down to us by sending Jesus. God knows that we can't reach him. So he made a whole different way for us to come to him. Through his son, he became an embryo, a child, a man, and he made himself known to us and he made the way to him known to us. The Bible says that there was no other way for people to come to God. And so God came down to us. Let's read again from John 14, starting at verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I find that comforting, actually. Jesus' closest, one of his closest disciples doesn't get it. He's like, After all this time, I don't know. 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is a passage I love to get out with people when they're facing the end of their life and read it together. Because to be honest, even as a pastor, I don't have anything to offer someone facing death. I've got nothing. What words could be comforting to someone in that point in their life? But Jesus has something to offer. And he says these great words of comfort. 
Growing up, I used to watch that um, hospital drama ER with my mum. And there's a great episode where this man is dying of cancer and a hospital chaplain's beside the bed and um, they're having a conversation. And he says to her, well, she says to him, I think it's up to each person to decide what they think's right. And the man gets agitated by that. He says, I want a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell. She says, I hear you're frustrated, but you need to ask yourself. And he says, no, I don't need to ask myself. I need answers, and all your answers and your uncertainty are only making things worse. She says, I know you're upset. And he says, I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness because I'm running out of time. The promise of Jesus is he will do that. He he will look you in the eye and he will say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In an uncertain world, Jesus steps in and he says, this is the path to God through me. I don't know if anyone here remembers what the word that the Oxford Dictionary came up with uh, for 2016 was. Anyone know what that, that was? No, it was post-truth. Post-truth. With social media, with misinformation, the word that summed up that year was post-truth, that we've moved beyond truth. But Jesus would tell us, it's not just the year 2016 where that was a problem. It is all of life in this world. The world's a place of darkness, of obscurity. We don't know the answers. And he has come, he tells us, as the light of the world to show the way back to God, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you've never thought much about Jesus, but you're here today at church, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. And in fact, this series of sermons is is for people who are thinking things through. And I want to ask you, have you ever read one of the biographies of Jesus' life in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, for yourself as an adult? Because if you haven't done that, I really would encourage you to do that. It is funny in life how we research a lot of things. We research buying a new car, research buying a, a house, research holidays. We spend a lot of time researching, but... When it comes to the most famous man in human history who offers eternal life, that's his claim, that very few people spend much time thinking about that and researching that. But one easy way to do that is to read Matthew, Mark, Luke or John and think about Jesus' life. Or if the other option is, like Rowena said, we're running a course next term where you could come, just sit in a group of people who aren't going to judge you for where you're up to in thinking about these things and have a really honest conversation in the Alpha course over some dinner on Tuesday nights next term. Love to talk to you about it afterwards if, if you'd like to do that or our website has more details. But the big question here is, the, the obvious question is, How do we know if what Jesus is saying is true? How do we know? Well, the last thing today is that Jesus 
proves himself. And that's the last reason why all paths can't lead to God, because Jesus doesn't just make claims, he actually proves himself. He doesn't expect us to take a stab in the dark and just have, you know, have a guess about whether he's the right one. He gives us reasons to believe that he is God's son. And let me read from John 14 verse 9. Follow with me there if you've got that open. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus did many signs and miracles which, like a normal sign, point to the reality of something. It points to who he is as God's son. And his works are God's works and his words are God's words. Now someone might say, well, Surely you do not still believe in that at the age you're at. Surely that's on par with believing in the Loch Ness Monster or believing in Bigfoot or something like that. But the thing about miracles that is misrepresented in our society is that science does not disprove miracles. Science is based on observation and experiment And someone would have to have observed every moment of human history at every time (laughs) to tell us that no miracles have occurred. But the thing about miracles is that the Bible never claims that the laws of nature and, and science don't exist. It just tells us that at various moments that they've been suspended or or, or broken by miraculous events at certain times that certain people saw. And in the life and ministry of Jesus, that that happened, that occurred. Uh, Nearly 100% of the time and in nearly 100% of the the world, uh, the laws of nature are are operating, but as Jesus does his work... uh, Miraculous things happened, and people saw it. That's what the Bible claims. It claims Jesus showed power over the creation as a storm was stopped and as food miraculously fed an enormous crowd and that the sick were healed and that dead people were raised to life. And it claimed that Jesus ultimately rose to life. And that all these things have been seen by eyewitnesses and that the Apostle Paul, one of the founders of early Christianity, would say to us, if Jesus did not rise, then your faith is futile. You can chuck it out. Jesus claims to be the path to God and he backs it up through his life and his works recorded for us. My brother says to me when we talk about these things, If God exists, then why doesn't he just show himself? Why is that so hard? And the answer is, he has. In the life and the ministry, 
the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this means that Christianity is not basically about you finding God. You know how people say that? Oh, she found God or he, f- he found religion. It's not primarily about that. It's about God finding you. And from the outside, it may look like you've found God, but on the inside, you would know that God came knocking on your heart and that you received him. I want to make two brief comments before we finish this morning. The first one's about the exclusivity of all this. Because some people hear this and they find it very narrow and very uh, dogmatic and very absolutist. And it's, it's true that Jesus promotes a narrow way. In fact, he says the gate to God is no wider than him. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's very narrow. But every worldview is narrow. Even if you say there's no absolute truth, it's a narrow statement. And a lot of people in the world would not agree with you about that. Even if you want to say all truth is equal, that's a narrow statement. And you're calling people to come and believe in a narrow worldview. Even if that worldview is secular and pluralist. There's no escaping being narrow. Whatever you say will exclude some from agreeing with you. So Jesus is narrow. But the second thing I want to talk about is humility. Even though Jesus makes exclusive claims, there is no room for pride in any of this. We need to be humble. Because the thing about Jesus coming as the way to God means we no longer get to pretend or need to pretend that we have it all together. In fact, we say, Jesus came for me when I was at my worst, and he found me at my worst. And I'm not all I want to be, and I'm not all God wants me to be, but I know that Jesus is the way to God. And it makes us completely humble because we know that we fall short of God and that it's through his gift, through his grace, through his kindness that we can come back to him. And so when we see others who are at their worst, we don't say, oh, terrible person. We don't look down on others. We say it would be the same for me if it wasn't for God coming to find me. And we'd also say, how can I share the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God with more people so that more people might know the hope and grace and forgiveness and love that's found in Jesus Christ, who's the way and the truth and the life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are thankful to you for making yourself known to us. And we thank you that in your kindness that you gave us Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone in the room who's thinking about these things today. I pray that you might make it clear for them uh, that they may see Jesus and hear him as he is, as your son, as the one who reveals you to us and who takes us to you. And it's in his powerful name that we pray these things. Amen.